That's been a wonderful night of worship, hasn't it? And uh, I took a I took a poll, and uh, we're not going to allow Thomas or Laura to go back to college, okay? And uh, but I want to I want to thank uh, Mike and his team. Let's give them all another round of applause. And just a beautiful night of worship. Of course, they would give all honor and glory uh, to the Lord, and uh, we're just thankful uh, that you were able to be here uh, this evening. And uh, I trust that uh, the Lord has done something in your heart here this evening. And uh, I've been praying all throughout the day that, uh, that the music and everything that has gone into tonight would uh, prepare us for this next 15 minutes or so and uh, to, allow, to, to allow God to do what He desires to do uh, in our heart as we're uh, less, than, uh, less than 36 hours or so away from uh, Christmas morning, and uh, as a believer celebrating uh, the beginning of just our Christian faith, of our Savior being born, who would later die on the cross for us. And tonight I, wanna, uh, I want us to just to ponder for a moment if we truly understand Christmas. And I want to help us with an understanding of that, and I trust that God will use something, a verse or two, uh, said unto, t- tonight that will be a blessing to you. A survey years ago uh, by USA Today published an article uh, that was entitled, How Americans See God. And the survey said that 28% of Americans see God as engaged in history and meeting out punishment to those that do not follow Him. 20, 28% of Americans say that. This was a uh, study that was done by Baylor University in Texas. And 28% said that, you can, that, that God is engaged in history and He's meeting out punishment. And then 22% said of Americans believe in the benevolent God who is a force for good, who cares for all people, weeps at all conflicts, and will comfort all. So their conclusions seem to suggest that if you and I tonight believe that God punishes, we cannot believe the same that God also loves us. And if we believe that God is love, we cannot at the same time believe that He punishes. In Romans 11, the Apostle Paul says a beautiful verse here. It says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. J.I. Packer said, Christians are not to dwell on God's goodness alone, nor on his severity alone, but to contemplate both together. And so if you want to know this evening who God is, you need to consider both his goodness as well as his severity. In other words, his mercy and his judgment. Or if we can put it another way, his love and his wrath. Now, I'll be honest with you, in Christendom today, there is a large emphasis on the love of God. And I think we ought to. We preach it often. But I believe for you and I to have a true understanding of Christmas, a true understanding of what the Christian faith entails, it would be one of love as well as His wrath. You cannot know the meaning unless you grasp the goodness and the severity of God. And so this evening, I want to spend just a few minutes 
on the severity of God. In Deuteronomy 32, God uh, gives to Moses as well as to Joshua a song for the, uh, to, the, to speak about the goodness and severity of God. We're told in Deuteronomy 32, verse 1, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. And if you were to continue on down through the chapter, I so enjoyed studying in the early fall months the book of Deuteronomy. And you begin to kind of come down through the chapter. In verse 10, we'll see that He uh, found us out of the desert and that He shields us and that He cares for us. Verse 11 says that He is, is uh, taking us in like an eagle takes its uh, chicks into a nest, guarding its nest. Verse 13 says that God nourishes you with with honey and the rock oil comes out of the rock so that you can drink. We see in verse 10, he found him in a desert land. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. Verse 13, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. I want you this evening to consider the blessings that you have received. If you were to ponder them, if you were to take the time, not only maybe during the week of Thanksgiving, but to ponder the goodness and the blessings that God has bestowed upon you, I think you will find that you have been blessed mightily. I think you will find that you are extremely blessed just to enjoy the abundance of our country. I think we would be remiss this evening, I failed to mention it this morning, of those hundreds of souls that slipped off into eternity in Indonesia overnight with that tsunami. And you and I, we have been blessed with great safety and we've experienced fires over the last several months and we've prayed for those. But when you look at the grand scheme of your life, you, my friend, have been immensely blessed. God says to us, that, 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 that we have been blessed in this text. And if you consider that, this song then begins to address the choices that the Israelites made. It says in verse 15, but Jerusalem, or excuse me, Jeshurun, waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat. Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. That that name there, Jeshurun, it is a it is a unique word. It is a word that describes um, Israel in the most upright way. It is just the, the greatest of terms for God's people, for Israel. And so what God is saying is that even at our best, even at our most uprightness, we're disposed to sin. God's people were disposed to sin uh, back in when, when, when this was being written by Moses. That the most uprightness of my people, you still, in all of your, all of your blessedness, that's what it would kind of mean by being waxed fat. Be, you're, you're immense with blessing. Through all of that, they even forsook God. Through all of that, they, they just lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. God says to us this evening, I know your heart. I know that you are disposed to sin. Even when you receive my blessing, you'll be filled with the sense of your own importance. 
There's times when God is blessing me mightily and I become very proud. I become very um, to the point where I think, well, yeah, I deserve this blessing. You know, I've been doing this and this. I've been obedient here and I've been obedient there. I love my wife. I love my children. I love our church family. Well, of course God is going to bless me. And even in our blessing, we find a way to shun God. We find a way to eliminate the knowledge that He has been so good to us. And you, like me, we get then kicked against, so to speak, in this. uh, He says to them, you will resist me. He says you will resent me. He says you'll doubt me. He says you will speak evil against me. You need to know that this is what you and I are like by nature. And then Moses goes on to say in this song, in verse 20, that God is going to hide His face from us. And verse 21, that it makes God very jealous. We uh, heard that a little bit this morning in our adult group. That he's going to be provoked to anger in verse 21. In verse 23, he's going to bring disaster upon them. And we ask, why? Why would God do that? Well, verse 22 says, For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her incense and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. This is the judgment that we all deserve. Have you considered the severity of God? Paul tells us that we ought to consider His severity as well as His goodness. Is this truth rooted in your mind? The understanding that God absolutely is love. God is absolutely merciful. God is absolutely good. But there's also the wrath. The anger. And when everyone is done considering the judgment of God, there's something else. There is the goodness of God. The goodness of God. We see in verse 36 of Deuteronomy 32, for the Lord will vindicate His people and have compassion on His servants. See, God has compassion on us. Christ came into a world to destroy the works of the evil one by bearing, hear me, by bearing God's judgment for us. Christ was born into this world for you and for me. He carried our iniquities on His body and in His body on the tree, the Bible says. You want to know where the goodness and the severity of God meet? They meet at the cross. When Paul tells us to ponder this, the severity of God and the goodness of God, they meet at the cross. Christ came under the curse that belongs to you. He came under the curse that belongs to me so that we might enter into the blessing that belongs to Him. Christ came into this existence. Christ came under the the, the fallen nature of this world so that you and I could enter into His blessing. Can I show you that from Scripture? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin." who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to to think about this with me. For, For our sake, that's you, that's me. He, that's God. Everybody say God. God. For our sake, 
God made him. That's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. The Bible tells us he walked this earth his entire life. And he was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. So for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, that in him, that's Jesus, say Jesus, that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. So what Paul is telling us is Paul is saying that you and I, it was the great transaction, so to speak. You and I, we take our sin and it was placed onto Jesus' body and He bore the penalty. He bore the wrath. He bore the anger. He bore the judgment of God, the jealousy of God, all for us. He bore His severity. And you know what we get in return? When we trust Christ as our Savior, we get His goodness. We get His righteous life. We get His record imputed or given over to you. It's so beautiful. Well, how does that happen? Well, you've got to come to Christ. You've got to receive what Christ has done. You've got to repent. You've got to turn from your sin. You've got to turn from what is being under the wrath of God. And you've got to turn to the One that bore all of that wrath for you and for me. Christ came into the world because of the severity of God. Our sins had alienated us from a holy God. There is a judgment due to us for our sin. There is a curse that must be removed. And hear what I'm about to say. Only Christ can remove it. We can try. We can do our good deeds. I don't know about you. We're, getting, we're a week away from 2019. I don't know if, how many goals I kept for 2018. We stumble and we fall short all the time. And so we must have one that lives for us. Christ came into the world because of the severity of God, but He also came to the world because of the goodness of God who looks upon us with compassion. God looks upon us with such pity and God sees us in our sin standing under that severity and instead He gives us His Son. He gives us Jesus and Christ willingly gave Himself for us. So all over this city, all over the Bay Area, there are thousands upon millions of people who do not feel that they need Jesus. Maybe that is true of you. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not aware of your need for Jesus. Would you tonight please consider the severity of God? Would you consider the wrathfulness of God? Would you consider the, the anger of God? But then would you secondly consider His goodness? That God sees us under that severity, under that wrath. And God, that very first Christmas, some 2,000 years ago, it's what we celebrate, God sent His Son Jesus to walk this earth and 33 and a half years later bear the load of that wrath so you wouldn't have to. That's the whole picture. 
That's when we fully understand Christmas. That it's not just this ooey-gooey baby in a manger, although we love babies, right? It's not just the food and we love food, right? Well, a couple of us. We're going to enjoy some here in a moment. But that it's actually a broken body on the cross. It's actually Jesus saying, I'll take that punishment for you. I'll take that wrath for you. And you and I, we get to celebrate the goodness of God. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, simply you've got to realize that you're under that wrath, that you are a sinner. And that sin must be paid for somehow. You're going to pay for it yourself by way of hell. That's what, Jesus, that's what God said. Or you're going to take the substitute that we read there. That God was going to send Jesus to take that sin. And we trust Him. We cling to Him. Jesus, save me. Be my Savior. And at that moment, His goodness, Jesus' perfect record, gets given over to you. That's the whole story of Christmas. Do you understand it? My prayer is that you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's an individual that's here this evening, please, no one looking around. I wouldn't, I wouldn't embarrass anybody for the world. But there might be someone here this evening that doesn't fully understand the meaning of Christmas. And tonight, they begin to learn that Christmas is really about the wrath of God and the love of God the severity of God as well as the goodness of God. And that you can trust Jesus Christ to save you from that wrath. And if that's you, in your heart, you're, you're desiring to do that. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. He's telling you, you're under that wrath. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. In your heart of hearts right now, would you Pray something like this, Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I deserve an eternity under Your wrath. But God, You loved me so much. You had such pity on me. Your, your goodness shined so forth that You sent Your Son, Jesus, to pay my price to come under the wrath that I owed. And He died on the cross. And I'm asking Jesus to be my Savior. Listen, if that is something that you prayed in your heart, it's your prayer between you and God. I, I can't save you. I'd love for you to share something with me at the back door here in a moment. I'd love to uh, tell me about the decision and the prayer you made. And I'd love to be able to talk to you more about that. But the true understanding of Christmas is to understand that God's severity led to the greatest story ever told. And that was Jesus' life and death on behalf of us. Father, I thank You for, Lord, this privilege to share this truth. And Lord, I, I thank You for Jesus. We've sung much about Him tonight. And uh, Lord, we would uh, be remiss to not make everything that we do about Him. And Lord, I'm thankful that He became sin for me. He took on my sin so that I could understand and know the goodness of God and the righteousness of God. And Lord, I pray for any individual here that has, has in their heart trusted Jesus as their Savior. 
Lord, I pray that, God, this would just be the very beginning of, uh, of new life in them. And that, Lord, you would uh, help us to, uh, to help them with that growth in, in their life. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for the meaning of Christmas. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless the remainder of our time together here this evening. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.